0: Change the world, change the world, change
1: the world. Can we can change the world, we can change the
0: world, change the world. This is the Santita Jackson Show. War and hate to a place of love, it's not too late. Gotta save the children, we can't wait. Let's change the world. I am breathing.
2: Hey everybody, Happy New Year, it's Santita Jackson. Coming to you from WCPT 820 the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, NIM 950 radio, the voice of the of Minnesota hopes to see Congresswoman Ilhan Omar get sworn into office once again, along with Congresswoman Dalia Ramirez, the first Hispanic woman to be elected to the U.S. House of Representatives in our history uh, from the Midwest. So proud of her. And, of course, our brother Jonathan. Mm. Pastor Thursday, almost... Got me
3: there. Yeah. So proud of him. Something to be proud of.
2: So proud of him. I don't. Can't even say.
3: Yes, ma'am. Got me.
2: I hope he's not listening right now because he got me. Got me. Got me. me. You know, when my brother was a little boy, he had a severe stammer and stutter and Mm -hmm. he wouldn't speak. And we had to stop everything because he became too embarrassed to speak. And so, look at what God has done. And I just thank God for him. And uh, you know, he's had a lot of struggles in his life, and and to see, but you know, diamonds are made under pressure. Without those struggles, he wouldn't be who he is. So I thank God. As the Queen of Gospel Music said to my mother at a very difficult time in our lives, she said, "I'm happy." For I thank God for your every hurt and your every happiness because they've made you who you are. And I hope that you take that in your life today. So thank you for holding my hand, Pastor Thurston. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, The Congress will be sworn in today. And what is going to happen? Kevin McCarthy, will he make it on the first ballot to become the Speaker of the House? It looks like he might not be, although he has been moving into the office. So we're going to be talking about that, George Santos. Should he be seated? It looks like he's going to be. What does that say? Not just about Republicans, but about the way we play politics in America today. Think about that, everybody. Let's think about that. Um, and let's talk about what we expect from this Congress, what we can get out of this Congress. Uh, Aaron Connolly, Attorney Connolly, of course, is here with um, Representative-elect and um, but we're all going to be... Seeing each other a little bit later on today. So excited about all of this. But let's get right to it, everybody, because we've got a lot of ground to cover today. I've got to get some good news as we begin this new year on Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. Chicago will have a high of 46 degrees, thunderstorms. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, you have a winter storm warning, a high of 37 degrees, excuse me, 32 degrees, but heavy snow, heavy snow. So please be careful out there, everybody. And, of course, everyone was looking at NFL football last night in one of the most anticipated games of the year. And we're going to be talking about that shortly. Praying for uh, the Hamlin family today, this young man who has done so much, raised by a teenage single mother and um, never forgot about it has a toy charity, wants to be an example for his community. And after a tackle, what appeared to be pretty routine last night, uh, what happened? He collapsed. His heart stopped. What is that? What is that? I mean, it talks about the dangers of football, but a lot of other people are speaking about other things. Um, they're speaking about vaccines. I mean, this is giving people a lot of opportunities to have a lot of debate. So let's talk about that today, too. So I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. 773-763-9278. I want to hear what your thoughts are about this new Congress. What do you think about the football game last night? I want to know what's on your mind. And if you just want to wish me a Happy New Year, as I'm wishing you one, please call me. 7- Seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. In the NBA, the Timberwolves one twenty four, the Nuggets 111 eleven, and well, the Bulls got knocked down by the Cavaliers one forty five to one thirty four. But it was competitive. And in the NHL, the Lightning will be playing Chicago tonight. Let's get. Some of these headlines today, everyone is talking about this game last night. Buffalo Bill safety DeMar, DeMar Hamlin is in critical condition after suffering cardiac arrest and collapsing on the field mid-game against the Cincinnati Bengals last night, according to his team. His heartbeat was restored, but it stopped, everybody. It stopped. And he was taken to a Cincinnati hospital where he remains sedated, and he has now had, he has now been intubated. He's on a ventilator. It's very very serious. Everybody, the NFL did something that we don't see happen often. They postponed the game, saying the details on the next steps will come at an appropriate time. This is the last. These are among the last games of the season. Who will be in the playoffs? Who will be going to the Super Bowl? Yeah, that all of that has been on the line. Uh, But now we're trying to find out what's going to happen with this 24-year-old. And what happened? What happened? What happened? Think about Hank Gathers, for those of us old enough to remember that. What happened? Burrow, some of the game show players on the field emotionally distraught after this. And indeed, um, I can't confirm this report, but it has been reported that Heisman Trophy winner, um, brilliant quarterback and champion of the pool, Joe Burrow, apparently went to the other team their locker room and said, we can't play this game. We just can't, and we won't. I really think the players stood down yesterday, Pastor Thurston, and said, the game will not go on. God bless them all, because they think we've all, we're all praying for this young man, and his mother was there, too. God bless them. A major multi-hazard storm barreling across the U.S. is bringing the risk of strong tornadoes and flooding to the south and ice and snow to the plains in Upper Midwest yesterday. Indeed, as we were driving to Washington, we saw fog. I couldn't even see out, I see out of my window yesterday, uh, Pastor Thurston. I couldn't see out of my window. Mm-hmm. And then, but that lasted until we got to Washington. It was fog all across the country, one-third of the country. This comes just days after the storm system walloped California with dangerous flooding, forcing water rescues and evacuations. More than 12 million people across the South are currently under flood watches this morning. And the House is set to hold an election today for its new Speaker, Republican Leader Kevin McCarthy, who is seeking to lock down the support necessary to secure the gavel. Indeed, it has been reported that he and his staff have been moving into the Speaker's office but he does not have all of the votes. It could could turn into a contentious once-in-a-century floor fight. What do you think is going to happen, everybody? This has not happened since 1923. We will see. There's so much to talk about today. So I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. I've missed you so much. And let me get to you, Pastor Steve Thurston. I missed your sermon at Salem, and you retired from there, but of course you haven't retired from preaching. Thank God for that, and so we just look forward to all of the great things that you're doing. I want to send a special, uh, special, special love to Pastor James Meeks and First Lady Jamel Meeks for all that they did to build that church and to serve that Rosen community, Uh, one of the underserved communities until they were there. Yes. They put so much love and infrastructure into that community and so much hope. And they have they changed Roseland and they've changed all of us. And we thank them for their, for the example of their marriage, for their beautiful children, their beautiful grandchildren, all that they've done. I love you, Pastor James Meeks. I love you, First Lady Jamel Meeks and your beautiful children and grandchildren. And, of course, Salem, uh, you're my family. You're my church family, too. And I love you, Pastor Stephen Thurston. Happy New Year.
3: Happy New Year to you, and I love you even more.
2: Oh, I'll take that. <laughs> 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 what is the good news today? I mean, every, it's, I feel like 2023 is going to be another one of these years, Pastor Thurston. It's going to be another <laughs> year. First of all, what are you going to do now that... You are no longer the teaching pastor at Salem. What are your plans? Are you just trying to figure out what's next?
3: I'm going to take a break, uh, maybe take a couple of months off and just relax. But I know that whatever I circle back around to, it's going to be in the framework of serving people, speaking to those that don't have platforms or loud voices and serving the marginalized and bringing them more towards the center so that we all can be people uh, who have equal access and equal rights. So I'm going to fight for people in some way, shape, or in the fashion. Mm,
2: God bless you. God bless you. You do. People don't realize the toll. And I want you to come on one day and talk about uh, the price that so many of our pastors pay. Um, The divorce rate in ministry is very high. The suicide rate is surprisingly high. There's a lot that goes on. It's a very, very, it's a blessing. It's an anointing. It's an appointing, but it's tough. And I'm glad that you have the emotional intelligence to step away for a moment and to rest. As you move forward in this ministry and everyone uh, if you have not heard him preach don't die first as Mr. Aretha Franklin said of Pastor Donald Parson and your daddy too so there you go give us the good news pastor listen as
3: we enter this new year I want us to do something that will benefit us individually and corporately and the good news is that we can avoid toxic productivity When we hear the word productive, you'd likely think of something positive. Pushing through that work assignment to completion, getting your house sparkly clean, or mastering some new hobby. Productivity is what we all aim for, right? On work days and even on our off days, we seek to make things happen. Grinding, hustling, Those, those things are seen as admirable, and sometimes what we work towards. Uh, if we fall short, we beat ourselves up and sometimes even drag ourselves off the couch to force ourselves into productivity. We feel that if we don't complete all of the tasks, we failures. We set these crazy high expectations for ourselves. Then we hate ourselves when we don't meet them. But what would happen if we scaled back even just a little bit? But what if we included rest into our practice? the need to be productive all the time and really it impedes our ability to enjoy life and to take a breather every once in a while. Now, I'm not saying that all productivity and hustle are bad. What I am though saying is that the culture we've built around needing to be a robot of a human, producing 24 seven, is what's gotten us into trouble. For too many of us, the grind never ends and we never get ample amounts of rest. But it will all catch up with you if you keep living long enough at some point. Your work and life patterns are not sustainable. You can't keep resting everything and everyone. Life isn't just about how much we can produce. So being able to rest is essential. It's essential to being the best human that you and I can be as we enjoy this short amount of time we have on this thing called Earth. So the best way that I can suggest as we enter 2023 that we drop the grind culture and toxic productivity is to examine our lives. Ask yourself these questions. Number one, am I pushing myself beyond my limits emotionally, mentally, uh, physically? Number two, do I have too much on my plate? Is there any room to breathe? Am I getting ample sleep? Do I have time to rest and relax? Is my family secretly hating me because I don't spend time with them? Number three, am I beating myself up? Am I really my own worst enemy? Am I doing more harm to myself than anybody else because I've set unrealistic expectations for my limits and capacity as a human being? Number four, what can I prioritize? What really matters and what does not Do I keep making mountains out of molehills? Think and finally, where can I include more rest? Listen, there's a book, great book entitled The Body Keeps the Score. I recommend everybody read the it. The
2: body keeps the score. Oh, okay.
3: Because at some point, if you don't take rest, your body is going to make you rest. And you may not like how your body makes you rest. Take a look at your life and see where you fall victim to toxic productivity. Then you can make informed choices that intentionally include rest. You need to have on your schedule, this is my rest time. No work, no phone calls, no email, no social media. I'm literally going to unplug and rest. The rest is the way out of this mess. Don't wait until you're, you're hospitalized to get rest. (laughs) Don't wait till the doctor forces you to rest. Don't wait until you're, you're, you're unable to work because you haven't properly rested Choose to incorporate rest today. Like right now, pull out your schedule block off time, schedule rest, schedule your vacation, make it consistent, and stick with it. After 21 years of pastoring, I'm about to take some rest. I need you to do the same thing in your life. And let's move from the place in America of all of this toxic productivity. You can't have a good life. You can't have a long life. You can't have peace and joy and sweet rest if you schedule it. That's the good news for the day.
2: Can you to that? Let me ask you this. I mean, are you going to be, are you going to be on Facebook Live this, after, uh, this afternoon today?
3: I am. Mean, Continuing yeah. conversation about this topic.
2: Why this topic? Why now? You know, because I think that Americans work extraordinarily hard. We don't get, I mean, when you look at these railroad workers, they do—they still do not have paid sick leave. Yeah. Um, and when you see our, um, our brothers and sisters from the South, uh, that is from South and Central America, from the Caribbean who are being brought into the United States, America was bought on labor that they did not pay for on land that was stolen. Uh, So, you know, we became the superpower uh, without paying for it in so many ways. You know what I mean? Not for free because black folks didn't work for free. We just weren't paid. Um, You didn't get this land for cheap. You never paid the indigenous people for it. In fact, you stole it from them. And everybody benefited from it but indigenous and black people. And the Hispanics who are coming here are, are really Spanish-speaking indigenous people. They're speaking the language of their conquerors. So that's difficult, too. Why is it? But in that grind to achieve the American dream, we walk without ceasing, Pastor Thurston, without ceasing. We never stop. And we have heart disease that's off the charts, it's killing women at a, Unbelievable. Clint is killing us. We're tired. We're just yes. tired. We don't know how to take a break and our bosses don't give us a break. Either because the, the marketplace doesn't give our bosses a break. And it's sweet, sure. but you know what I'm saying? I mean, I do. What, what is the takeaway for that lesson at this time? I look at this young man who, uh, DeMar, uh, Hamlin, who Mm -hmm. could have, I'm sure, excelled at another sport. We know how violent football is, but that was his way out. That was his way out. They've taken uh, baseball, Major League Baseball, from the inner city. So our young black kids, look at what happened with this Jackie Robinson team that won the Little League World Series. Mm -hmm. That's been taken from them. I mean, what is the path forward? I mean, and how do we just step back and take a deep breath? Take a break.
3: Yeah, there there were some studies done over in the UK concerning the four day work week. A lot of us have heard about that. And yeah. those studies have come to the end. And those studies prove that people actually were more productive. Uh, the companies earned more. There was better health, better retention of top employees. It was all of these positive benefits of scaling back. And of course, uh, as you know, I spend a lot of time in Morocco. And to go from here to there, it's just such a relaxed, calm, peaceful, serene environment because they don't apply that same amount of stress and pressure. People are able to breathe. The hustle, the bustle, the grind isn't there. And I see a large population of seasoned saints, as I like to call them, who still are active and vibrant, and I believe it's because they're not working themselves to the bone. And of course, we through the year, most people try to start off new habits and break old patterns and bad patterns. And I wanted to challenge us to enter this year with that thought process: What do I need to break in my life concerning how hard I push? Those who are in the positions of management and leadership who are listening, what do you need to change about the culture? of your work environment, that gives people the space and the place to breathe a little bit more. spoke to a friend who lives in London yesterday, and we were talking about maternity leave. And she mentioned to me that people there in the UK get a whole year of maternity leave. A whole year. In the United States, what is it, three or four months? That makes a major difference on the emotional bond that's built between that child and that parent. Um, and I'm sure so many other things that happen in that space of a year juxtaposed to three to four months. And so we got to do better. This isn't the industrial age. We don't have to work the same way. Remote working and relaxed environments. It just makes for healthier human beings. And hopefully, if we get to more healthier human beings, we'll see some more humanity. <laughs> In, in our country. Less human, I mean, we got humans, but we don't see a lot of humanity. And maybe if people were, you know, less stressed and less, less worked, we, we could be nicer and kinder and, and more compassionate and more caring towards one another and literally make this place a better place for everybody in all ways, shape, forms and passions.
2: That's the word, everybody. That is the word. Let's be whole in 2023. We'll see in 2023 who we will be and who we can be, who we're supposed to be. Yeah. And rest is a part of that, everybody. Hey, even God did that on the seventh day. How about that? Piece? True Let's talk about Paul. Hey, <laughs> I learned something in Sunday school sitting in, in the pews. <laughs> I love you, Pastor Stephen Thurston. Join him on Facebook today at 3 o'clock, 3 p.m. East, excuse me, Central Standard Time. 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, and of course, go and get his book. There moments you won't, you don't want to miss it. Coming up, let's talk about what's happening in the House of Representatives today in the U.S. Senate. Ah, it's all politics. I'm coming to you. I'm Miss Peter Jackson Chair from Washington, D.C. Hmm. Back in just a minute. The world, change the world. Change the world. Okay. Oh,
0: yes, change the world we can change the world change the world we this
1: is the santita jackson, jackson show oh,
2: everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to the San Peter Jackson Show. It is a joy to be with you all today. Talk to me at 773 763 773 Happy New Year from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of Progressive Minnesota. January 26th, we are hosting a mayoral debate. Um, we have so many candidates. The so-called top-tier candidates, and they're all top-tier because you haven't made your decision yet. I want you to tune in on every single platform you'll be able to hear and see and participate in this debate. Send me, go to uh, S. Jackson at WCPT, or meet me over here on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel, or Santita Jackson and Friends. Let me know the questions that you want to ask because Patty Vasquez, Joe Esposito, and I will be moderating three distinct segments of this debate, and I want to I ask the questions that you want to ask. I want to know what you want to know. What are you curious about? Call me, call me, or send me an email, send me a text. Let me know what you want the questions to be. But in the meantime, let us we've had a lot to talk about. We've got the U.S. House of Representatives that will be convening today, um, as well the U.S. Senate, new Congress, a new day, new way. I'm so excited to be able to see my brother sworn in. Uh, soon to be, uh, Congresswoman Daley Ramirez, sworn, sworn in, Elhan Omar, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Corey, uh, Bush, and Hakeem Jeffries, who, well, um who's being... Count as the next Speaker of the House when the, when the Democrats regain the majority. It's a very, very exciting time and a very interesting time. We're watching Kenan McCarthy, who cannot accrue, who has not accrued enough votes yet to make it on the first ballot as the Speaker of the House. They are pro- promising a floor fight, the likes of which we have not seen literally in 100 years, since 1923. What will all of that mean? Even Newt Gingrich has said, look, five people now maybe 15 don't have the right to hold up more than the push the, the votes of 80% of the rest of the caucus. What is this chaos all about? It's not just Trump. Everybody, you heard me say that, um, think about what's happened over the past 20 years. We've watched the housing market collapse. So many of us lost our wealth. We have watched wall street come and take 20 trillion plus dollars from us. Yeah, that's how much it was after Dodd-Frank had their oversight of the bailout. It was more than $20 trillion, most of which went overseas. Yes, that was a study that was done, too, and it's being sheltered. In the meantime, we're starving, and we're paying for a war. We don't know why we're in Ukraine. Most of us do not know. You want to protect the wheat, but my goodness, why all this money going there when you can't get a $1,400 check just to help you make it through the month? There's a lot going on. In the meantime, uh, last night, I want to bring this up with you, uh, C.K. Hoffer, Chair of Rainbow Push, former president, past president of the National Bar Association, the largest and the oldest black bar association in the world, more than 65,000 lawyers, legal analyst on Court TV, analyst on MSNBC, and she has her own television show, We Cannot Wait for it to debut her to tell us more about it, but I know that you are... The mother of a Division One football player in college, and a son who is also going to uh, Division One football, um, and you have the anxiety that all parents of athletes have, but particularly those in football, as we find out just what a difficult sport it is and the toll that it exacts on the bodies of our young people, and we were all we're all praying for the Ma Hamlin and his family um, as we watched in horror. And after a routine tackle, he stood up, he looked fine, and then he collapsed and his heart had stopped. You know, maybe we can explore this more tomorrow on your legal Q and A with CK uh, segment. And maybe you'll be talking about this today on your own show on WO, excuse me, on W A O K in um in Atlanta today at eleven o'clock Eastern Standard Time. What are your thoughts about what we saw last night? And um because it's just someone who is one of the best conditioned physical specimens on earth, one of, the, one of the best athletes on earth, he collapses. And I just think of Hank Gathers. See, that's our generation, right? Yep. You know, yep. I, you know, just like no one can make any sense of that. It's like, wait a minute. Um, what do you make of what, what we saw last night and, and what we're dealing with right now? Cause he, it's a pretty serious condition that he's in. He's been incubated, so he's not able to bleed on his own. What do you make of this, CK? Before we get into well, the politics,
4: well, Santita, I, I want to say Happy New Year, but we started the New Year with with just devastating news. Um, what I make of it, it is tragic. My I, my heart was beating so quickly, and and my my heart goes out to the family. But this is this is really a parent's worst nightmare when you have athletes, when you have Division One athletes, actually any athletes. But certainly when they start with Division One, and then they go up to the NFL, if that's what they choose to do, if that's what they're lucky enough to do, based on your perspective, if, if that's what they want to do. But this is the type of thing that even though it doesn't happen often, it does happen. And there are so many injuries that go unreported. But for us to see live, see this happen um, on television, and, and to see the teammates to just – we all stopped in prayer. And I was praying for his family. I was praying for the mothers that have experienced this before that no one knew about, that no one wasn't on TV because this has happened before. I was praying for myself that I didn't experience this because it could happen so easily. And so what I I felt at that moment was sadness, sympathy, empathy, but also that, you know, this, this, this game, football, is such a dangerous sport. And when we look at what was really a routine tackle, it wasn't really a really you know, huge tackle where you could see maybe a concussion coming. So there may have been something else. I also do medical negligence. So there may have been something else percolating in his system. Or it could have just been the jolt from the tackle that triggered something. We don't know. But I can tell you this. He needs our prayers because he was. Um, they worked on him for a period of time. And typically, and I know this from the case, when you administer CPR, that is that is used to hold you, to, to put you in a holding pattern, to have your heart pumping, to, to keep everything going until the paramedics can get there and do something more invasive. And I was concerned about the time that lapsed, the, and they were moving as quickly as possible. It was just such a shock to the system. And so we really need to be in prayer for him. Because I think mm-hmm. um, probably there's something very significant that has happened, for it's hard to stop just like that. So, Santita, what I'm seeing is, you know, this, there are probably going to be new measures put in place. There are legal ramifications when that happens on the field. And they're going to have to unpack how it happened and to, to ensure that there was nothing that was overlooked by anyone. What happened to him before? Did, were there medical conditions? Were there issues previously?
2: Did, did, did you know the what? No. Um, let me do this. Everyone, look. I'm going to have to head to the lobby now. I actually, 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 um, was told they moved everything ahead because at the at this particular, they're having a couple of swearing swearings in today, but. Uh, Vice President Harris is going to be at the CBC swearing in, so we have to go an hour earlier. I plan to be with us until 7.30 my time, uh, 8.30 Eastern time. But uh, CK, you're going to pick it up from here. You've got Bryce Green from Fairness and Accuracy and Reporting. You've got Aaron Connolly, who's got to run just like I do. And um, you'll have Terry O'Neill at the top there. I'm going to send all of this to you. But I need to push out of here so that I can. go see my brother sworn in today. All righty. <laughs> well, Sachita, you to my love to your brother and your family,
4: and congratulations. I love you.
2: All right. Well, then, you know, I'll let my board operator take it from here, everybody. I love you. I'm out. I'm going to have to take you off of Facebook, but I'll be with you tomorrow. Love you. Thank you, CK. All right. CK, you know what I'm going to do? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to stay on the phone with you until... Well, I'm coming off of Facebook. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get off the phone with you right now. Okay, how about that? Okay, that will, bring, that will bring, uh, let's let's bring on um Aaron. Okay and um, let's just keep on going. I need to run downstairs. They are looking for me right now. Master strategist,
4: brilliant lawyer, social justice engineer, Erin Connolly, my sister from another mother. Good morning and happy new year. How are you, Aaron? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm so happy that you all are there in Washington and able to, to to witness history once again with the Jackson family yes. member. I'm just so Amen. so so delighted. This is a great day. A great day. And
2: we're talking day.
4: It's a beautiful day as we were talking about, you know, what happened on the football field. We we spent over the past really five or six days. We've been watching football. This country has been mesmerized by all these football games and watching people play in Georgia and Alabama, Kansas State. My son is on Kansas State. Clemson. My other son is going to Clemson. All of these games that have taken place, there's always a winner and there's always a loser. But what we don't really think about is the physical toll. When we see those players going for it, playing so hard, giving their all, we really don't think about the physicality of it and the toll that it takes on those players. I lived it because I have two, soon to be two Division I um, football players in my family, both of my children. And so I see the toll in high school that is taken on their bodies. Um, and, and, of course, when they go play in college, it goes up a level. And then when they play for the NFL, if they go to the NFL, you know, it goes up another level. A huge level in terms of the physicality of the sport, the onslaught, the, the training, the conditioning of the body, and then actually game day. But the conditioning and the training happens every single day. It's not just, you know, the day before a game, it's every single day for years. And so when we look at what happened, and, and, and again, my heart goes out to all of the families and extended family. What did you, what, how did you read into that as a mother? And what were the things that that came to your mind when we're thinking about athletics, sports, and the toll that it can take on on these young men and women?
5: Well, thank you for for the question. I um, so I I grew up in a in a college football family. My grandfather was a big booster for the University of Notre Dame. So I had, you know, I was lucky as a little girl to have the 1989 88 championship team hanging around our house and playing football in the yard. And so I've seen what, what has happened to those, those young men as they went into the NFL, as they, you know, put their bodies on the line. And many of them have severe, severe health problems now. And something that we need to keep in mind is that the players in these sports and any type of professional sport are union fact, right? Their unions need to do, I think, a little bit more to ensure their safety on the front end and support them with these severe medical issues on the back end. When we look at the exorbitant process that the owners are making and that it is not equally shared with some of these players and the players alliances, whether it's hockey, whether it's football, some of these really tough sports where people not only have brain injuries, but are essentially um, you know have workers' comp claims right for these these massive almost chronic illnesses after so um I think it 's a a really a really big issue that we like to gloss over, and when we 're with our families celebrating these these big wins, but yesterday. Watching that young man on the field, watching his mother and his family and his family on social media asking folks to not share this video and share the good things that he does for his community, the toy drive that he does in Pennsylvania, the fact that he went to, uh, you know, the University of Pittsburgh to be close to his younger brother. This is this is the type of man he is. And we have to support players in those initiatives uh, that are close to their heart. Right. And um, I think. I, we've seen an outpouring of generosity from the public, um, but we need to do more to to monitor and keep keep these young young men and women safe.
4: Now, as is safety, safety is critical as key. You know, we the the women basketball players, for instance, women soccer players, yeah, soccer players just, with football, there is some protection in terms of helmets in terms of padding although it's not really enough. When you've got a 300-pound person that you're going to tackle, a 350-pound, who's a very, very seasoned, aggressive, stellar player, and you're 250 pounds and you're trained to do this, the the impact is going to have an effect on the body no matter what. But there are other things that happen in, in sports like basketball. Basketball, concussions, and a lot of people don't talk about concussions in basketball. They talk about concussions in football. That's more of the focus. But there are a lot of basketball players that have concussions as well. Men and women. It's just underplayed. And hockey, concussions at all-time high. Rugby, sports like rugby, you see a lot of concussions. Soccer, a lot of concussions. But we don't really talk enough, Aaron, just like you were saying, about what happens after. What happens after these players after we hear about some of them that are eminently successful, like the Magic Johnson's, you know, there are a lot of football players that are very successful in life, but there are thousands and thousands and thousands of them that are really, for all intents and purposes, incapacitated. So this is a question, I believe, that the NFL, the NCAA, the start college level, and even <laughs> as far as fully as in high school Perhaps there need to be different protocols in place, I believe, as a mother who's living this every day. I mean, what, what, what do you think about that? The, the, from a legal standpoint, protocols in place to protect these players going forward because this can happen. It does happen. Maybe saw it, it's sort of like watching George Floyd. When we watched George Floyd, that video had such an impact. But we all knew that there were many, many thousands of George Floyds out there where this was happening, going unnoticed that no one ever saw. When we watched with horror what happened on the football field, we knew that it had happened before, but people just didn't know. So maybe the awareness is the first step and and then legal action.
5: Uh, Yeah, I think, you know, the technology exists for us to understand what's happening with our body all the time, right? I'm, I'm disabled. I'm a type one diabetic. The technology that I have on my body monitors, my blood sugar, my heart rate, my blood pressure. I get notifications when those things are out of line for those athletes that are putting their bodies through essential, essentially torture, right? To prepare for this big event. And then during the game, we, the technology exists for us to be able to get out ahead of this, right? This, this young man should not have had this heart attack, right? There is enough knowledge. There is enough medical expertise. There's certainly enough money in the NFL um, who, you know, we'll talk about their, their tax tax pain and, and how that's worked out over the last uh, 50 years. But that's a different conversation, as you know, CK. Um, but certainly we we have the ability to anticipate these things. And we have to put that money into the human beings that are generating this revenue, right? It's uh, so many times and in, in a different life, I was considering going into that portion of law because I saw so many of those young men who I admired as as a child suffering with serious, serious injuries. And I'm like, you see all of this money, CK, and it doesn't go to the players. It doesn't go to their families if something happens to them. There's the suicide rates for folks with PPE, for example, is a huge problem in the NFL, right? Those families should be compensated for that as well. But we have to be able to use the technology and get out ahead of it. It exists.
4: Well, you know, I know that we've got Bryce Green, who's a writer, celebrated writer, fair, fairness and accuracy in reporting. And I'd be really, really interested, Bryce, to hear what your take is on this. I mean, this is a tragedy beyond tragedies. We see it, and we, and we see it all the time. We know what happens, but we don't see it as vivid as we saw it recently, I think it's shaking the nation. It's making us really, hopefully it's making us reflect on what we need to do to protect these athletes from a medical, physical, and conditioning standpoint. Bryce, what do you say?
1: Well, this is far from my area of expertise, but I did happen to watch this as it happened on TV. Uh, My little brother, he actually played D1 football for Purdue and graduated earlier this year. And he said this sort of thing shocked him. I mean to watch someone collapse like that, and to to watch. I mean these players. I mean they spend their entire lives uh, uh, destroying their bodies for entertainment purposes with very little protection. And this, uh, and I've recently learned uh, just how much that these people have to go through. How, how often they get injured. Luckily, my brother never got injured, but uh, like you say, like this is a time to reflect on just how much our entertainment is worth to us. Is it worth the health and the lives of some of these athletes? Uh, is it worth no. having them do their thing without all of, all of the protections that are afforded to other workers? Uh, no, it's not. And you know, and but- I don't know enough about the sport to... Uh, you know, offer any real solutions, but I mean, this is very troubling.
2: And we're going to go to break. What's very interesting about this um, this yes. is what the railway workers are fighting for, worker protection, and all of that. We'll be, we'll be back with more with C.K. Hoffman Jackson, and Tantita Jackson on the Santita Jackson Show. D.C. Edition and to you see my brother get sworn into the U.S. House of Representatives.
0: Love it. Back I just submit it. Change the world, change the world, change the world. We can change the world, we can change the world, change the world. This
1: is the Santina Jackson Show.
2: Everybody, welcome to the San Peter Jackson Show, Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. Happy New Year, everybody. WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the world's of progressive Minnesota. This is a special Washington D.C. edition. I'm so excited today to watch all of Congress be sworn in. Man, I'm so proud on a personal note to watch my brother, Jonathan, uh, become a Congressman today. And of course, Delia Ramirez, our dear, dear sister and friend who is the first Hispanic woman to be elected to the U.S. House of Representatives from our part of the country. This is a momentous day. Please celebrate with her and her family. And um, and Ilhan Omar and the squad and all of these wonderful, wonderful people we're going to see. And Maxine Waters, you know I'm a Maxine brat. Can't wait to see everybody today. Can't wait see what's gonna happen with Kevin McCarthy. What's going to happen? He has not been able to approve the number of votes that he needs to become the speaker. We're seeing a way we're gonna see a fight on the floor possibly, fights of which we have not seen in one hundred years since nineteen twenty three. It's an exciting time. Where will the nation go? What is going to happen? Mm. Let's talk about it, everybody. But some of the top headlines today, of course, Chicago, 46 degrees, thunderstorms, 32 degrees, and Minneapolis, St. Paul, and um, winter storm warning. Please be careful up there today. Uh, we've got a lot going on. Last night, everyone was riveted by the football game, of course, DeMar, Uh uh, what is going to happen with this young man? He has done so much for his community, born of a teenage mother, uh, 24 years of age. And what has happened? He collapsed after a routine tackle. After a routine tackle, he collapsed, and his heart stopped. Fortunately, they were able to revive him. But what happened? We have a lot of questions, of course, and we see King who's going to be pursuing more of this tomorrow on her. QA Q&A with CK, legal Q&A with CK on the Santita Jackson show. But we just got a chance to touch upon some of that today. Why do people call me a while I'm in the middle of my show? I have no idea, but there it is. <laughs> and of course we've got <laughs> attorney Aaron Connolly. Girl, I can't believe it. I'm on my way to, um, Aaron Connolly, of course, is with, uh Delia Ramirez, Congresswoman Ramirez, and uh, she's with Jonathan Jackson, too. We're all together. And, um, He's going to be running, but we want to hear from attorney Mark Sancher, brilliant author and lawyer and civil libertarian. And um, we've got a lot to talk about today because, boy, C.K., things are popping. They're on and cracking here in Washington, D.C. We don't even know who the speaker is going to be. Typically, by the end of the day, we would know that. No. And these, not just five votes he's looking for, he's trying to retrieve about 14 or 15 to come back into the tent. It's just a lot going on. But before I get into all of this, and before I have to run um, and watch my brothers sworn in to Congress with the Congressional Black Caucus members, um, I want to remind you that we are looking for financial freedom on this show, and I want you to reach out to Team Hochberg at 855 Five six David eight five 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 six David, or go to five six David five six David If you have poor credit, if you have no credit, if you need to rebuild your credit, if you need to get an FHA loan, if you've been turned down a VA loan, if you've been turned down, if you just need to get a financial plan, my father says that if there's a plan, you plan to fail. You need to reach out to Team Hawkwood. Many of us are struggling. Most Americans, even Americans with six-figure incomes, are living paycheck to paycheck. How can you work your way around that? 63% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. How can you work your way around that? They can help you. Do you want to buy a house which you think is beyond your reach? It's not beyond your reach. They can help you. Think about Sonia and her husband. They had... $100,000 $100,000 worth of debt on 17 credit cards. It can happen to anyone. Many of us are using our credit cards to buy our groceries. Well, they reached out to Team Hockberg. They said, well, I hear they can help me, but it. it sounds too good to be true. Well, guess what it wasn't. They were able to reach out to the credit card companies. Don't you do that yourself. Let them do it. And they were able to negotiate them down to by more than $2,800 a month, everybody, and they were able to save their home. That could be you. Call them at 855 david 855-56-David, 855-56-DAVID, or go to dot com. Now, while all of these people are still calling me, CK, I want you to take it away. Can you believe it? Well,
4: again, congratulations to Jonathan and to the entire Jackson family. We are so, so very proud of all of you because this is this magnificent, extraordinary family. The Jackson family is swearing in yet another member of Congress. So much love to you, Santita, and to your family. Please tell everybody I said hello and congratulations. And I will see you all in Chicago, I think, pretty soon. And, 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 and so please send my love to everyone ante here. And I know that you're going to be in and out, but while we're talking about what's happening in Washington, you know, we have so much that we should be thankful for so much that we are very thankful for. Members of Congress are being sworn in. Um, the January 6th commission has, has real, really, really on my way over to the family. A of strong evidence. they referred matters to the justice department. But while all of this is going on, there's another there's another narrative that's happening, and that's in the state of New York. We've got a congressperson who lied almost on every single aspect of his life to
2: secure a seat in Congress. I am back. I mean, you uh-huh. know, that that. Is just yes, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, honey. I was dropped, and i And what were you asking me? <laughs> I was actually
4: this member of, seems be member of Congress. Who lied
2: on every Tantos? single major issue. Yes. Yeah. Girl, wait a minute. First of all, do we know if that's his name? God bless him. I don't know what's going on. And I, the mystery of where his money comes from, to go from being unemployed and being in and out of the country, being in Brazil, when you are suddenly worth several million dollars up to $11 million. You're able to mend your campaign, $700,000 and we still don't know who you are, but your party has not held you accountable. They're not lifting principle above their personal politics. And that is what is disturbing to me. Quite frankly, I'm not just going to make it a base right now. People, you know, they didn't say Democrats or Republicans are dependent. Uh, are ruled by absolute power. if they said that absolute power corrupts what? Absolutely. And this is where we have to be very, very, very careful. And this is where you see the uh, America at an inflection point, CK. Because anytime this is tolerable to anyone, that you would see someone who has been so flagrantly dishonest to the people he purports to represent, what is he? how is he going to represent them if he's not truthful? Who are you? You haven't even told me who you are and so and i and I also pray for him because there's something you know i'm I'm a religious person, and I never like to get rid of anyone. I see someone who is very troubled, and that troubles me you know that that really really, really does so you know it's but um but he but Kevin McCarthy's not going to challenge him because he needs those His vote. Oh so He needs that vote. And I'm like, really? On some things you just, to me, you need to fall on the sword on this day, but they're not going to do that. Like at all. So there it is. So you know what? I, I, now it's time for me to say goodbye to all my company. M I C K E Y, M O U S E. I love you. I'm going get out of here. I'm gonna get oh I'm gonna get uh, out of here while Shelly, uh, who sends his love to you. And yes, yes, we're gonna get him with his gorgeous voice and his brilliant really political instincts to come on one day. And um, in the meantime, we are thank you, darling. We are gonna go in here and watch Jonathan get sworn in. We're wonderful thank So I love you all. Erin, I'll see you a little bit later, sweetie. See you later, Santito. All right, God bless you, thank you, Mark. Love you. Happy New Year.
6: And happy New Year to you.
2: Bye okay. bye. And and Mark, I was going to turn.
4: I was going to turn to you. You are a lawyer extraordinaire, author. Poli- I call you political scientist, strategist. What do you say about um, Congressman soon to be Congressman Santos? What What does that say to this country that he is not, from my standpoint, really being challenged by his party?
6: Well, it's a continuing institutional problem uh, for Congress as a whole. And, you know, it, it speaks to the nature of what politics has become in the country. Uh, it, it is almost a virtue uh, within the realm of politicians uh, to do whatever it takes, to say whatever you got to say, to lie if you have to, in order to uh, win an office, to hold an office, to get legislation through. Um, that has become the culture of the institution. And, and I think that... that What speaks most loudly to it is the priorities and the agenda that Congress tends to adopt uh, from term to term. Uh, You know, we're coming up on Dr. King's, uh, the anniversary of his birth, uh, and we need to really pause and think about the fact that at the time that he was assassinated he was in the process of organizing uh, what many have come to know as the poor people's campaign Uh, what he was planning was not necessarily what actually happened after he died Uh, what he was planning was to take an army of poor people of all races uh, into washington to occupy the congress Uh, They were going to stage a massive sit-in for the purpose of forcing the Congress to do what a Congress should do, and that's to act honorably. Uh, Dr. King had identified three great evils uh, in the country that he thought that Congress could and should address. Uh, One of them was racism, uh, which we know very well about his life and his work. The other was excessive materialism that led to widespread poverty. And the other was militarism. And if we look, since the time that he went there with the plan of shutting down the government, if necessary, to get the Congress to act, that was his plan, was to shut down the government. And not only that, in order to address the militarism aspect of his concerns, he had made an alliance with anti-war activists, those who opposed the Vietnam War. They were going to go and occupy the Pentagon and shut that down in order to bring the war to a close. In all of the years since Dr. King has not been with us, Congress has still not adopted that type of an agenda. Uh, We still live in a country where racism leads to chronic police violence, uh, directed primarily uh, and and most extraordinarily uh, at the black community. We still live in a, a, a country where we have situations like in Flint, Michigan, or Jackson, Mississippi, or even in Detroit, where poor people can't even get water. That they need, or when they get it, it's tainted. Uh, We still live in a country uh, that's actively engaged in militarism, uh, engaged in all kinds of questionable practices in the Ukraine and Russian war, uh, administering and maintaining the United States Africa Command, which very quietly uh, and and very, uh, you know, in, in a way that is just really disturbing. Is militarily occupying and locking down the African continent uh, for purposes of making the way clear for U.S. corporations uh, to exploit the, the continent and to ensure that there isn't re- any resistance to it by the people whose resources are being stolen. And so if we look at these individual cases, such as that involving Santos, and we see dishonorable behavior, questionable behavior, it's really no great mystery as to how and why that kind of thing would emerge within that environment and would be sustained by the culture of that institution. They have not been prepared to deal with the most basic of concerns that affect our society, the most basic and fundamental ones that were identified by one of this country's greatest heroes. And so I think that that's where we find the answer.
4: Well, you know, you know Mark, you make some very, very, very compelling points. You know, Bryce, are you still with us? Because I'd be interested in hearing what you have to say about Cong- soon-to-be Congressman Santos, who's going to be sworn in about his deception and the fact that the Republican party has not as a party taken a position relative to his deception.
1: Yeah. uh, Well, it's not unsurprising to me. Uh, like, like was just said, uh, these people operate on a system of deception and obfuscation and they'll really say whatever they want in order to stay in power. And the Republican party, you know, they notice that their margin, uh, of victory inside of Congress is they're relatively small, and so they're not going to push the envelope when it comes to you know, holding their own accountable. And this is just uh, reflected in how our politics operates. Uh, these people aren't there to advocate for an agenda for the people. They're there to advocate for an agenda for themselves. And the quickest way to do that is to, of course, kowtow to the military-industrial complex Wall Street, large corporations, and all the other vested interests that seem to have a stranglehold on the American public state. Uh, And this is, it's just very unsurprising. (laughs) And the fact that the media didn't vet this guy before his election, and now they're, you know, picking up where they left off, They're, they're playing catch up and trying to figure out who this guy is. Well, I mean, it just shows that there's a lot of coverage in these elections that have nothing to do with the substance of the the person, but just the personality, right? This is a competition between people who, it's a popularity contest, and if you have bought the most ads, if you have done the most events, if you have reached the most eyeballs, well, then the public will be more familiar with you, uh, you know, the founders The people who built this country, anyone who studies democracy, understands that this whole thing only works if people are making informed decisions about the representatives. If people are asking, what is the what will be the policy effect? What will be the impact on government on my life? But all of that is omitted from coverage. And then that's how you get clowns to slip through the cracks. And then they steer the country.
4: Well, you know, that you made a great point about the media. I mean, just think about the type of vetting that we have of many, many, many candidates. And it's absolutely positively amazing in a state like New York that we didn't see more scrutiny, nor more media scrutiny over this candidate. Aaron, are you still with us? you there in Washington. I've I, I got to imagine there's some discussion taking place in Washington about this. Aaron, are you still with us? Okay, well, Aaron had to drop off. Okay, no worries, no worries. But, you know, Bryce and Mark, this media issue and how the media literally can shape the popularity of officials, what do you say about that? How do you juxtapose what happened in Santos' case where there was just basically no scrutiny, no background checks, or anything like that, and then some other candidates... That are under extraordinary scrutiny, particularly African American candidates throughout the country. The media goes through and, and wants to know basically where they went to, where they went to elementary school. Did they did they break any rules when they were elementary school? What do you all say about that? Starting with with um, Mark.
6: Well, you know, the, the, there's an old saying in journalism. Uh, that goes back to a, a different era, but it, it, it has a modern-day counterpart, where they used to say, if it bleeds, it leads, uh, which basically means that uh, very often the media was focused on things that were sensational uh, and that in the, 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 ter- the language that was used back in, in, in earlier times, uh, they, that's what they did to sell papers. And the, the media has become uh, very much not only what it was then, which was to some extent a watchdog, uh, someone, you know, an institution that would keep them honest, that would look at politicians and do the things that we're talking about now in terms of scrutinizing. Uh, But now it has become not only a bleeds, it leads kind of a media, but it has become part of the corporate establishment. And it is only going to focus on things uh, that make money. Uh, it is not necessarily going to focus on really digging into uh, the affairs of of state, uh, the uh, the activities and the background of politicians if there's no money to be made from it. And they are they have merged in many cases uh, with major corporations and they pursue a corporate agenda. And so if you've got Candidates, You know, politicians who are backed by major corporations that, you know, through some derivation of corporate holdings uh, are, are linked to media uh, outlets, uh, then they don't get looked at very closely. Uh, when you get powerless candidates, you know, people's candidates, people who are trying to speak truth right. to power, uh, then those are people who are not connected to powerful interests. Those are people who are going to receive the scrutiny of the media because the media has a corporate agenda, which is to destroy these people, uh, to make sure that they don't have an opportunity to do the things that they entered politics to do. Uh, so I don't know what Santos's connections are, uh, but, you know, we do know. Uh, that uh, his connection to his party uh, is one that might suggest that the media might not have any great interest in really looking at him very closely, as they might want to look closely at, uh, you know, uh, Rashida Tlaib or, you know, any other member of the the squad.
4: Well, let me ask you a follow-up question, Mark, as a lawyer. As a lawyer, what... And and I'm going to explore this on the show tomorrow. What right, if any, do the people of New York, the state of New York, have, since they have clearly been misled by this candidate, what rights, if any, do they have?
6: Well, it's it's kind of a tricky thing because uh, I don't know that there is any automatic cause of action that uh, that people would have because the politician lies. Uh, if, if that were the case, then we'd be suing politicians every day because they all lie as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but I, I do think that uh, the, the process itself uh, does present the people of New York with opportunities to at least try and challenge a candidate who may have been deceptive and who may have violated certain ethical uh, guidelines, and uh, who may be subject uh, to some type of censure—you uh, know, going all the way up to expulsion if it rises to that level—but. As we've seen in so many cases, when there has been misconduct by elected officials, it's very difficult uh, to have them punished in any way uh, once they've won elections. Very difficult.
4: It is. Well, we're going to go to break, but I just wanted people to reflect. Here in Georgia, Herschel Walker almost became our next U.S. senator. And there was a lot, there were a lot of allegations about his deceit. About his lies, about his background, about his alleged misconduct, and it didn't even seem to phase voters, but it certainly didn't phase the Republican Party. So when we come back, I'd like Bryce to comment on that. I think it'd be very interesting to say where this country is going when you have politicians that are blatantly misleading. We'll be back after the break.
0: can change the world, change the world, change the world. Can we can change the world, we can change the world, change the world.
1: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
4: Welcome back, everyone, and Happy New Year again. This is T.K. Hartford. I'm standing in for Santita Jackson on WCPT. And we have been talking about so many very, very interesting things. As you all know, um, Jonathan Jackson is being sworn in. As Congressman this morning, and so Santia is there, her entire family's there. We are so proud of Jonathan. I've known Jonathan for over 30 years. He's extraordinary, exceptional. And what about the exceptional Jackson family? This is the second family member to be sworn in as congressman. We have, of course, Jesse Jackson Jr., who has served as congressman honorably for many, many, many years. And now his brother, Jonathan Jackson, is being sworn in. This is a great, great day. Well, we were talking about another member of Congress who's being sworn in. And I have to tell you, Bryce, I'm not feeling so warm and fuzzy that it's a great day that Congressman Santos, I'm originally from the state of New York, but the Congressman Santos is being sworn in, given his deception and manipulation of the system. But what do you say based on what you do for a living and fair and accuracy and reporting? I mean, I think the media also failed us in this. What do you think about that?
1: No, that's exactly true. I mean, if you look at what is being covered in these elections, it's not about the substantive issues. It's not questions about what someone will do when they have the power to shape public policy. It's not about what they believe or understand about the powers of government, about the role of Congress in a representative democracy. It's about uh, personalities. It's about uh, what are the traits that might make them appeal to a mass audience. It's the same way you market something like soap or a new car or a Disney cruise. I mean, you market these things in a way that appeals to people's emotion, not in a way that appeals to their, uh, you know, the logical side of their brain. And you look at this last election, these midterms, well over $10 billion were spent uh, to boost candidates, to bring out messages and to entice voters to participate. But if you look at what that money was spent on, it's not material designed to educate the public about the actual effects of their vote. It's material designed to persuade and obfuscate to keep people as hard as possible from thinking about those issues to keep people from asking who is paying this guy and whose interest does he serve? and keep people from thinking about how they can affect the political system. If the only thing that American democracy is, is people showing up every two to four years to press a button and then go home and then watch TV, well, then this really is no better than American Idol or, uh, you know, a, a game show that the public gets to ratify the sort of decisions that are being made by the people above. And that really has been shaping our democracy since its inception. And this uh, Santos incident uh, is just one of those things that tends to happen when the media doesn't seriously consider who these people are, what their interests are, what their beliefs are, and how will they uh, engage in the halls of power. It's what happens when you only focus on the superficial. Absolutely. Absolutely. And
4: you know what, Bryce? I'm going to bring on one of our morning stars Chappelle Wells. Now we know Chappelle because we hear her speak about celebrations by us. And she, she is magnificent in what she does. The food is exquisite. I'm still waiting for my macaroni and cheese to be sent to me here in Atlanta. And I know that it's coming, but Chappelle Wells is so much. She gives so much more input. She can speak about politics, She certainly can say something on a personal level about the injustice, injustice, having lost her son tragically. But, Chappelle, we want to bring you on because we want to hear about celebrations by us. We want to welcome you in the new year. And also, we want you to comment on Congressman Santos. What in the world, Chappelle? Welcome.
7: (laughs) Thank you, C.K., and thank you so much for that wonderful intro. Yes, Celebrations By Us is open for business. We are starting and kicking off the new year right now, so we're taking orders. So give us a call at 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We can handle all of your catering as well as also your decor. So we're setting up right now for um uh Valentine's Day, we're taking orders for that, as well as also we're still doing holiday parties because people are still partying. So give us a call at 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much,
4: DK. Well, Mr. let me tell you, your, your food is delicious. You're the consummate professional. We're so proud of you. But can you comment on Congressman Santos? And I can understand if you don't want to comment on him, just the I mean, lying through his teeth about everything, I, it, including his credentials.
7: You know, for me, it's, it's like, how do these people keep on stepping in mess and coming up smelling like roses? I think the average American could never right. do this. They could never do this. And so... This tells me that it doesn't matter about credentials, it doesn't matter what what pedigree you have, if you went to the your school, it it's about if you can lie good enough to get there. The Republicans know that they don't want to lose this seat. So they'd rather put this false charlatan into the office as opposed to doing the right thing, which is allowing him to be, not see him, basically, not see him. And we see that right now that this is really setting a precedent. You know, for me, I'm looking like, okay, we have rules, we have ethics committee, we see uh, black folks going to jail for small infractions, and yet we have uh, now, uh, uh, we'll be sitting Congressman who has lied about who he is and and they're saying that they don't even know if that's his real name, you know, I'm like, well who is he? You know, how did this happen? How did America allow this to happen? And so we're running around here teaching our children every day, tell the truth don't lie, and then you have somebody sitting in Congress going to be making over $100,000 a year How is this fair? I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out because it's not fair to me when I'm sitting up here scraping everything, trying to keep this business going, and you can I could can, I can have lied, and I could have been okay? I won't go to jail? I mean, is, isn't this a breaking a law or something, CK? Well, a <laughs> we you know,
0: law.
4: It certainly does feel wrong. It is wrong. You know, I always say, if a quacks like a duck, walks like a duck, duck, talks like a duck, and does other things like a duck, it's a duck. So there's no question, Shapiro, of course this is wrong. Of course there's something very, very, very wrong about this. But the question is, what are we going to do? How much more do we have to tolerate? You know, in this country, we learned in civics class, and I know they don't teach civics in school anymore, Shapiro and Bryce, but we learned about the three branches of government, the legislative branch, the executive branch, and the judicial judicial branch. So the legislative branch, that would be members of Congress. You all follow me. The executive branch, that would be, you know, the administration, administration, the president. And then you've got the judicial branch. That would be really the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, if we think about where we are today with the U.S. Supreme Court justices being challenged where the credibility of the court is at issue. We have Justice Alito. Now there's evidence, perhaps, that he's leaked some information about the, the, his opinion overturning Roe versus Wade leaking to friends. We have Justice Thomas, whose wife has engaged in probably and was a part of, had some role and probably one of the most heinous acts of sabotage and treason that we have seen in this country, the events of January 6th. And so when we have two branches of government who, who, whose members, if you will, are really questioned based on integrity, the integrity of the process, the integrity of what they do. Um, Where you have a congressman who he's going to be sworn in shortly, blatantly lying to his now his constituents and those who elected him. Well, we don't even know if that is his real name. He could be an impostor. What does that say, Bryce, about American politics? And what type of example are we setting for the rest of the world? Well, we used to be the gold standard for all things political, for all things democracy, for free and fair elections. What does that say, Bryce?
1: Well, it says that it speaks deeply to the rot uh, that's been happening to the American system for the last several decades. Uh, and you talk about us being an example. Well, I mean, that rot is a, a perfect encapsulation of why when we try to set that example, when we try to impose our example of democracy on the rest of the world, that it falls so flat for everyone else. Other people see how our democracy handles the sovereignty of other nations, right? We have over 800 military bases all around the world in order to spread democracy. Uh, it's because we get to hide behind the uh, the show business nature of our politics. Well, like I mentioned earlier, our politics functions essentially the same way as selling cars or selling vacations or selling soap or, or iPhones. It's about uh, appealing to people's emotions. It's about using symbols and rhetoric and, and stereotypes in order to get people to use the emotional part of their brain. And once you're able to do that on a mass scale, well, then that's where power lies. One of the biggest industries in this country is the public relations industry, an entire industry designed to keep people from engaging logically with the content that they consume, with the products that they buy, with the politics that they embody. And all of that is designed so that the people in charge of the public relations, the admin, the the consultants, uh, all all of that class of people uh, gets to decide the direction of the country. And so every time we have something like uh, a politician who's lying or a politician who's uh, deliberately misrepresenting themselves in order to appeal to the public, well, behind that, you have all of these public relations executives. You have all of these pollsters. You have all of these People who say that they're in touch with the American people, that they're in touch with what Americans want, well, that means that they're in touch with the ways to manipulate the people. And again, I mean, if we export this model around the world, uh, I mean, if you want to talk about we can even tie this to Ukraine. Part of the reason of the turmoil in that country, part of the reason of the Russian invasion is because the U.S. has been trying to export this model uh, through violence and through other soft power, they're trying to export this model around the world. And what this model means is essentially control by the oligarchy. The oligarchs, of course, they control the, uh, the, the media, they control the, the funding for these politicians, they control and they're controlled by the military-industrial complex. And so all of these systems come together to really spit in the face of the idea of American democracy. And until the American public is able to see that clearly, until the American public is able to understand that their democracy doesn't exist in the way that it's taught to them in schoolhouse rock or in uh, in popular culture, well, until that happens, well, then we'll continue to be manipulated. We'll continue to have fake clown politicians lie to us, and then we're going to have a media act surprised when they when those lies are exposed.
4: Yes, well, I have to tell you, this is all very, you know, we're starting a new year off, and and as usual, you know, Bryce and Shapiro, and for our audience, there's so many issues that we have to tackle, so many things we have to be concerned about. I know that Santita, who will be back tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, fret not, she will be back tomorrow. She is there to observe and to participate in the swearing-in of her brother, Jonathan Jackson, as the next congressman from the great state of Illinois, along with others, um, all members of Congress are being sworn in. But we do have some members of Congress who have blatantly misled, like Congressman Santos, he may have already been sworn in as far as we know, have blatantly misled their constituents. He's misled his constituents to the point where people don't even know If the person that he says he is, that he is. And so tomorrow, what we're going to explore, among other things, is what legal recourse, if any, if any, do the voters have in the state of New York? I think Mark Santor said, well, you know. If, if voters have a legal recourse because the members that were campaigning were lying, then we wouldn't have many members of sitting in and actually many political people because people do stretch the truth. They're not for stretching the truth. But I think there's a difference between certain things and misrepresenting fundamentally almost every single thing about your credentials and who you are. Uh, we just survived here in the state of Georgia, a scenario where Herschel Walker now, he—he's. there were many things that he misrepresented, but he almost became the U.S. Senator for the state of Georgia. Senator Raphael Warnock won. He had a, a strong victory, but it was a very, very close and tight race. And yet, the Republican Party endorsed Herschel Walker, Bryce, Shapiro, as if they, it didn't matter what he said, what he did. They were not at all going to be persuaded or dissuaded from supporting him wholeheartedly, including our sitting governor of the state of Georgia, who came out and campaigned. Okay, so Supra was already left, but Bryce, I mean, I think this is, this is something that we need to reflect on in this country in terms of where we are and where we're headed and where we're going, because it makes no sense. For a country, the most powerful nation in the world, some would argue, for our democracy to be going down the tube. And for now, there not to be a standard where honesty about your basic credentials is required when you're running for elected office in this country. There's something to be said and some examples that we can use throughout the world um, from other countries that do penalize candidates do for when they are dishonest, openly dishonest about their credentials. So there's something to be said for that. Here we have a January 6th commission also, Bryce that has made some incredible foundings on criminal activity. Yes, criminal activity, engagement of criminal activity by those who held the highest positions in this country. And that's been referred to the justice department. The question is going to be what's going to happen. What will that third branch of government do? What will the justice department do when there's misconduct that is risen to the level, allegedly, potentially of criminal activity based on concrete findings? Bryce, I mean, what's going to happen? What do you think Merrick Garland is going to do? Because it also feeds into what the, what, if we're going to hold the legislative branch and their feet, the members of Congress and the Senate, their feet to the fire then what are we prepared to do when members of the executive branch engage in uh, where there are allegations of criminal, very serious criminal misconduct, treason, and sedition? What do you think about that, Bryce?
1: Right. Well, I, I would love to believe that somehow our system is capable of holding these people accountable. Our system is capable of, you know, keeping at bay the forces that are deliberately uh, Engage in the overthrow of the country, uh, but I don't think that the history bears that out. Uh, there have been so many criminal elements that have inhabited the highest levels of government for years and years and years, and no one seems to be interested in addressing it. I mean, January 6 was one major example, but even on the uh, the day to day, right? You I mean, remember last year, Nancy Pelosi asserted her right to engage in insider trading as the Speaker of the House. She said that this is a free market, so we should be able to do whatever we want. How is that okay? Uh, and then, of course, we have all of the criminal acts that engage that we engage in on a day-to-day basis in our foreign policy. You know, uh, this is little known, but our Constitution says that Any treaty that America engages in is the highest law of the land, the supreme law of the land. And that includes the U.N. Charter, which prohibits aggressive actions, which prohibits giving bombs to countries that are engaged in aggressive actions. Well, we have military installations all around the world. We invade the sovereignty of countries every single day. We are still occupying the country of Syria and taking 80 percent of its oil. That is a crime. That's a serious crime that leads to death. And, you know, it's widely known. The U.N. talks about this all the time, how U.S. sanctions are killing people around the world. Now, these are extremely serious crimes, crimes that have killed hundreds of thousands of people around the world over the last several years. But no one seems to be even interested in talking about it. And then we have the, the problem of our Congress being completely bought off. And You know, some people will defend this by calling it legal. Some people will defend it by calling it a part of the system. But, I mean, it's clearly an institutionalized way to solidify the power of the oligarchy, to solidify the power of people who engage in this criminal behavior every day. So the question is, what has to happen for that behavior to change? What forces have to be in alliance to drive the anti-democratic forces of our country out. Because until we can talk about that, I mean, we're going to have people who show up, lie, misrepresent, obfuscate, make stuff up, and will go unpunished. And if that's the case, then our democracy will, really doesn't have a chance. And people around the world are noticing that. You're seeing the even, even people in the third world are noticing that America – is not the promise that it builds itself to be. So what has to happen to change that? Well, the only way that that's gonna happen is if we do something about it. If we organize, and by we, I mean the royal we, we the people, we the people who aren't the big moneyed interests, who aren't the major corporations, who aren't the major law firms, military contractors, and politicians, just average people. The only way that that's gonna happen if we get together and demand and organize organization is the key. We can't just beg, but we have to organize ourselves in a way that power has to respond. And that's a project that takes years. I mean, uh, it's a project that Jesse Jackson was engaged in for most of his life. And that's the, that should be the defining project of of our time. And major, uh, major independent media is the key node in this I mean, uh, you, it's fair to call it a social revolution. It, there needs to be some sort of social revolution aimed at recapturing our democracy. That's the only way out of this. I don't see another way.
4: Ooh, oh, Bryce, you've said so much, and you're giving us a lot to think about. You know, I think as we as we start 2023, we always want to say that we're going to do better in the new year. We're going to aspire to do better. We're going to try to correct the ills of 2022 and so many things happened in 2022. You know, there, there's a lot for us to be proud of, a lot for us to be excited about, but there's so many devastating things that happened in 2022 on so many levels today. I mean, we've talked about what we saw on the football field. I've always said that football is a religion and I don't mean to be sacrilegious religious saying that, but it's like a religion. I live it. I breathe it every day. And I say that because of the type of following that we have, in this country and in the world it's soccer, really, relative to football. And so when we see some of our those men who are playing football, who are injured or who succumb to severe injuries and, and I don't and, and we do feel some kind of way. We feel something about that. We feel sadness. We feel deeply that it's, it's a tragedy. But it, it should it stop there. I submit that it shouldn't stop there. Nothing should be so um, important that a young man can collapse on a field there with millions of people watching, with his family there to respond and for us not to know that we have to do better at protecting the athletes and ensuring, and it might have been a fluke, we don't know what happened. So in all fairness, we don't know what happened. I have to be candid as a lawyer. You know, you want to investigate the facts, look at the facts. So we don't know what happened. But one thing that we do know, and that is that it happens all too often, where the eyes of the world are not on the game, where it's not being telecast. And we have to dig deeper and see how we can protect those players. Just like we have to dig deeper and see how we can protect our um our our, um, our our citizens when we've got politicians and we have political people running for office who are making blatant misrepresentations and not being vetted. So we're seeing the uneven application of the rules. And so we we have to do something about that and think about that in 2023. Think about if you were your child on the field. Think about if you're a citizen of the state of New York and you voted for Congressman Santos, how you feel today when you're awake and knowing that he's being sworn in. Think about what we feel about the, the US Supreme Court and how we want to bring back the accountability of the three branches of government. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been a pleasure to stand in for my good friend and the extraordinary Santita Jackson, who will be back tomorrow. We thank her for all that she does. We look forward to 2023. We love you all. And on behalf of WCPT, thank you for being loyal listeners. And thank you for supporting this show and Santita Jackson. We'll talk to you tomorrow.